Life Audio. Hey friend, do you ever feel like the busyness of life makes it hard to slow down and truly connect with Jesus? Do your priorities and passions feel jumbled and out of whack? Then join me this summer on my podcast, How to Study the Bible, as we dive into Spiritual Rhythms, a six-week series that will lead us through six spiritual rhythms to help us slow down and make space for Jesus in the busyness of everyday life. To guide us, I've put together a free downloadable six-week study available at NicoleUnis.com slash spiritual practices. The study will walk us through God's word as we learn to embrace daily practices that draw us closer to Jesus. Each week on the podcast, we'll walk through one spiritual rhythm that helps us discover how to spend intentional time with God, align our passions and balance our priorities, and make time and space for restfulness and celebration. Download Spiritual Rhythms for free today at NicoleUnis.com slash spiritual practices, and I'll see you on How to Say the Bible. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and we are wrapping up a series called Spiritual Rhythms that we've been in all summer, and I'm super excited to welcome back to the show. Rev. Rachel is back hey, with us today. There you are. There I am. Still here. Still kicking it. Still here and ready to rock. Awesome. Hey, so in this series, we've talked about silence. We've talked about Sabbath, solitude. We've talked about digital fast. Which one has been the most impactful for you in this season of your life? Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I think the one that is both the 
the most challenging for me and the most impactful is silence. I'm mm. I'm a if, if you haven't picked up on this already, I'm a pretty active person. And so it is very counter to my nature to leave empty space. Mm-hmm. And so that continues to challenge and and grow me to to allow for space to God for God to show up. Love that. Love that. Yeah, I would say for me, the practice of celebration that we're actually going to talk about today is the one that has been the most impactful. And some of that is in practice, but some of that is also in thought. It's like an intentional way of viewing the world and thinking about life that then leads to like this freedom, you know, in the way that we celebrate and the way we experience life together, which we're going to talk about today. So Mm -hmm. that's mine. I hope you guys have enjoyed this too. We'd love to hear from you if this has been helpful to you. By the way, if you're just now joining us, we have a six-week spiritual practice download. It's free for you. It's just a way for you to engage this whole series on this podcast. This is actually a great podcast series to do with a group too. I've got a couple of people who've reached out to me to let me know that they're using the podcast as their Bible study. So they listen to the podcast before they come together and then they discuss the questions together. So this one would be perfect for that. You can go to NicoleUnis.com slash spiritual practices if you want to download that series. Again, totally free, just something we wanted to put together for you. Very grateful to Rachel, who has really been instrumental in putting this stuff together for us. And We'd love to hear how you guys are using it. You can email me at Nicole at NicoleUnis.com. If you want to say nice things about Rachel, you can say them there and I will pass them on to her. I know, Rachel, I told you this, that people Mm. have reached out to me to be like, where is Rachel's podcast? Where is (laughs) Rachel's website? You found it. (laughs) (laughs) She's here. This is it. Rachel, guys, is way too busy taking care of the young hearts and minds of the next generation to have her own websites. <laughs> it does it does keep me busy. I love them and they keep me very busy. <laughs> yes. You have plenty of talent for a website, a book, and podcast, but you also have, have plenty of stuff going on in your own. And I'm I'm secretly, not very secretly actually, my students make fun of me all the time. I'm a little old man in my heart of hearts. Like I don't really like social media. If it takes electricity, I don't care. I drink scotch. Or I like to fish. Like I'm kind of really an eighty year old man and I'm okay with that. You're kind of you're like an 80-year-old mountain man, too. Yeah, like, yeah, for yeah, sure. You know, Rachel lives in the mountains in North Carolina. So. Sit on my porch. Um, thank you. Be cranky. Thanks yeah. for coming out of The Hobbit to <laughs> join us on this podcast. Anytime. The wonders of technology. Indeed. indeed. And the fact that I sent you that awesome microphone. Yes, you indeed. With us. So fantastic. <laughs> All right, you guys. As you can tell, we're very excited about the series, and we're excited about today's episode, particularly because we're wrapping up this series around this spiritual rhythm of celebration. We're going to talk about celebration and we're going to talk about celebration in scripture. This isn't just like a, oh, hey guys, it's cool to party. This is actually about God's design for human flourishing. Hmm. And we're going to talk about how that plays out. And we're going to do it in a really familiar passage, one that I don't know. I mean, most people would argue it's the most famous. I mean, do you think it's the most famous Mm -hmm. parable that there is? Yeah. I mean, anything... I have a little, I don't know if you know this, but I have a little like love of kind of popular vernacular that comes from scripture. (laughs) The idea of a scapegoat Mm -hmm. from scripture. Thank you, Leviticus 16. The idea of a prodigal, right? Like we talk about the concept of prodigal, but that really comes from this parable, this this parable of the prodigal son. It's probably been misinterpreted what prodigal totally means. So we're going to go back to the original and we're going to be in Luke 15 together today kind of a long parable, but a really like gripping story. So let's Mm. read the whole thing and then we'll follow the alive method and talk about what we're going to take from it. So Rachel, would you do the honor of telling us the story of the lost son? Would you do the whole thing? I would be honored. 
Let me just take a minute, too, so that this is such an important story. I think it's worth kind of getting centered and settled. Mm -hmm. So come, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to us more of who you are? And will you reveal to us what we need to, to learn about ourselves? Amen. Amen. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Oh my gosh, so much, right? Like, I don't know, we read it before, but um, I mean, probably heard it before, but hopefully you hear it with new ears. We always hear, you know, parables with new ears because you're constantly changing. The Bible is alive and active, and then you yourself are also alive and active. And so you're going to experience it differently every time you hear it. So as you read, you know, I'm just thinking of what does it say? Okay, like, how do we just step back and say, okay, What's actually happening here? And of course, there's a lot of cultural context that can be helpful. We could talk about this for many weeks, but let's just hit a few things, keeping in mind that our focus today is on celebration. So Hmm. I know I'm going to tell I'm going to tell part one in my own words. You tell part two. Okay, that sounds good. Take it away. Part one. Super interesting to me as I observe this passage. There's always a couple of phrases that stand out to me. One of my favorites is in verse 17 when it says when he came to his senses Mm-hmm. Like this idea that the younger son was just released to himself. Like he was mm-hmm. like released from his obligations and he found himself in this place where he's like, what am I doing? Right. And nerdy, nerdy right. Greek moment that yeah, Greek, that expression is literally he came to himself. That's the actual mm-hmm. Greek phrase that we translate came to his senses. So he was lost to himself. Oh, my gosh. So good. Right. So he like comes back to himself. He comes, mm-hmm. You know, we talk about this maybe like a a coaching type word that we would use is defining reality. Like mm. that's a big part of 
any healing, any sort of repentance, any growth is always about like actually naming reality. So like he finally names reality. He stops living in denial and he then rationalizes what he's, what's he's going to do next. But truly like my takeaway from the beginning is like this, he's done nothing, like nothing good has happened to this network. Like he, he, he takes his inheritance. He squanders all of it. He then decides, like, at least my servants live better than me. Like, he's not like grieving. It's just his like motives are like, pretty oh mediocre. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. mediocre. It's <laughs> mediocre. It's just not. Yeah, it's like not this like right. He's not dragging himself back in this like sense of like I've brought shame upon my family. That's not you know. So that's all the things that happen. And then like his dad, you know, runs out to him, which uh, it is not. Uh, it is not honorable for a patriarch of a family to be running. So. He, he sort of makes a fool of himself in order to meet his son and reach his son. And the the dad, to me, is almost like cuts him off. Like doesn't even let him finish his like explanation or apology and is already restoring honor to him, restoring his identity through a ring and a robe and ready to party, right? So we get this concept of like this guy, this kid, this young man doing everything wrong and being met with compassion and celebration is like a very strong part of part one mm-hmm. take it away Rach. you can add on to that too if you want no so so there oh there's so much we just gotta we just gotta go for it so <laughs> i know we just part gotta two. celebrate part two hey guys we're here because the bible has changed so many lives so just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a bible or you weren't even allowed to have one This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. So the party is happening and then scene change to the older son. And if you didn't know the story already, you would have already forgotten all about him because it's there was a man with two sons drama of the younger brother, which I suspect is probably the narrative of this guy's life, that the drama is always about the younger brother. He's the eye of the family hurricane. The older brother's the afterthought. Thank God he's fine because the younger brother's never fine. And he finally just loses his ever loving mind at at this scene in the story. Mm -hmm. And I think. What's really important about this passage is, right, as you, you might be able to guess that the these final verses are the punchline of mm-hmm. both this parable and the, the other lost things, the lost sheep and the coin that precede this. But I think what's really important is to recognize who Jesus is talking to, because we've called this parable the prodigal son. It's actually not about him. He's mm-hmm. obviously important. But if you go back to the beginning of Luke 15, you realize that Jesus is actually having a conversation with the Pharisees and the scribes. Mm-hmm. The, the story is mm-hmm. actually about them. So the punchline of the whole parable is the conversation with the older brother saying, look, didn't you don't can't you see we had to throw a party? This is worth celebrating. And you can come too." and I end of the scene. That. Yeah. That, well, that's and also like super interesting. I, no, we don't know what happens. 
super interesting at the beginning of chapter 15, it says the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering against Jesus. So it's actually interesting that both parties could hear this story, right? Like in the room. Yeah. Everyone who would identify with the younger son, the tax collectors, the ones who know they're wrong, the sinners are hearing this story and it's a pretty good story. Right. Mm -hmm. And then everyone who would identify with the older son, if they even could come to themselves enough to recognize that. Right. Because that's a Mm -hmm. huge part of the story. Also, I love like another little piece is the fact that the father came out of his place for both sons. So he runs out to his younger son to meet him, but he also leaves the party to meet his older son. He he exhibits the same level of care and compassion. It's received very differently, right, from both sons. And we don't have we don't have resolution, right? Yeah, we don't know how it ends. Mm-hmm. Man, and so you said like the end is that punchline and it says we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And, you know, some people would say this is the parable of the two lost sons, mm-hmm. even though one of them seems obviously lost and the other one is lost maybe in his heart. Mm-hmm. So why this passage, Rach, for the spiritual discipline of celebration? Like what 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 does this refer to? When we think about what's the backstory, I've got a couple of Old Testament concepts that come to mind, but what comes to mind for you on this this concept of celebration that is very strong in this passage? Well, I think it's worth recognizing that, first of all, this is, again, almost undoubtedly the most famous parable that Jesus has taught. And Mm -hmm. what Jesus is saying is, here's the good news of God. The Father is throwing a party that will last forever. The God of the universe is throwing a divinely awesome party, and he wants all of his kids to be there. And that includes you, a selfish younger brother. That includes you, resentful older brother. Won't you come to the party that the father's throwing? Like that is how Jesus is painting the picture of what the gospel actually is, which means that celebration is actually fundamental to the heart of what the gospel is about, of what God has done in Jesus and what he's what he's completing through the work of Jesus on the cross and will complete in the new heaven and the new earth. And so you cannot take celebration out. We know the story in Revelation ends with a wedding feast. Uh, mm-hmm. This is just so close to God's heart and God's character. And and there's this really great quote that I love from a writer, G.K. Chesterton, who inspired C.S. Lewis. And mm-hmm. he says that, and the more I considered Christianity, the more I found that while it had established a rule and order, the chief aim of that order was to give room for good things to run wild. Mm-hmm. And that has so been the story of of the Bible, of God desiring to give room for good things to run wild. And I think um, if we're kind of going to go into some of the backstory, some more, one of the, I think most relevant pieces of this is actually the Old Testament deeply valued parties. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was such a priority. If you read through the books of the law, through Leviticus, a lot of the directions are about the all the parties that God wants to throw. Mm-hmm. And if you look at how tithe was spent, right, you know, the 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 10% that we think about when when the people of Israel when tithe their money. Yeah, when you give money. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to pay for three things specifically. It was supposed to support clergy and worship maintenance, you know, the the workings of the temple. It was supposed to care for the poor. And it was supposed to pay for all the awesome parties that they were supposed to throw in God's honor with God multiple times a year, which I think is so beautiful. So cool. You know, it also, and, and this is maybe like the piece where I wonder, like, it's interesting to me that we have to call celebration a discipline. Mm-hmm. Like we have to claim it and own it. And I want to talk a little bit about why we struggle so much with this. Like, why do we struggle to actually believe that our God is a God of celebration? However, like, let's, I want to tell this little story from Nehemiah. There's this, there's this passage in Nehemiah where the people, 
the the wall around Jerusalem is being rebuilt. The people who've been in exile get to come back. They hear the law. They hear the word of the Lord for the first time and for the first time in a long time. And their response is grief because they've realized how far they've fallen away from God's design. And they are admonished to not mourn. Like, this is a day to celebrate and be glad. Like, rejoice because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they, they're told to celebrate and told to feast in the spirit, but their their inclination is to mourn and to grieve and to be upset. And I kind of like wonder, I just want to, Rachel, ask you to interact with why do you think as Christians, we have such a difficult time believing that our God is a God of celebration that we should be doing that? I mean, I, I think there are probably a couple layers to it. One, we the world is a hard place. <laughs> and I think it can be pretty, pretty easy to just get caught up in the grief of the world around us and the grief in our own lives and to forget the the, the fruit of the spirit, which is joy, which is right, not contingent upon upon circumstances, but to, to remember that God is still at work and that the story is not over and not done. And so mm-hmm. I think there's a, a distraction that kind of plays into that. But I also think there's an aspect of what do we believe about God? Because mm-hmm. if we don't fundamentally think that that God is joyful, that what God desires is flourishing, is a divine party for the universe that will last into eternity. If we have other images of what who God the Father is, that will radically shape how we experience this discipline, which is why I think Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, because when he tells us to pray in the Lord's Prayer to Abba Father, Jesus knows he needs to define father because that's a very loaded concept. And so mm-hmm. he's going to tell us exactly what kind of father God is. And he's the kind that really loves to throw parties. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, you know, I think there's also this other element where a couple of things to add to those layers. It takes trust to have joy. So if I know the world is a hard place or that they're suffering or that, you know, I know these things, like as we become adults, we become more and more aware of the pain of the world. We can feel like, oh, I have to trust God to celebrate in the midst of things that are hard. And that is a form of it is a form of trust to believe that God is at work, to believe that you can release your burden, that you can lay down your burden, that you're allowed to celebrate what is good and what is pure and what is whole in your life and to celebrate others in that way. So joy um, and trust, I think, are closely linked. And then the second thing is, is we actually, this is a form of surrender because what we like, think about that younger son, like that younger son had in his mind, I'm going to tell my dad, I am not worthy to be a son. I'm going to tell my dad that I'm I'd like, treat me like a servant. I'm going to define what my punishment looks like, the mm-hmm. consequences of my actions. And it takes surrender to actually let go of what you think that you deserve. So mm. to the to the younger son's credit, he was like, "Yes, I'll take that robe. Yes, I'll take that ring. Yes, I'll take that." <laughs> like, yes, please, he went please, to the party. <laughs> like he was okay with going to the party. That means he was okay with admitting, "I have screwed up, and my dad has forgiven me, and it's time to celebrate." He didn't try to keep punishing himself. Hmm. And the old the older brother is doing the same thing. He's like, "I'm so good, I deserve this." Mm-hmm. The younger son is, I'm so bad, I deserve this. But only one of them is willing to let go of their own morality, like their own understanding of what good and bad is. Mm-hmm. And that's a good word. So it's a huge deal because a lot of us are like, no, I don't deserve to be celebrated. I don't deserve to celebrate. I'm going to define what I deserve, which is actually very, in a very sneaky way, is pride. Because mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm the person who decides how this operating system of the world works I decide what I deserve and what I don't deserve. 
It's actually a recipe for a very small. You really don't want that job. Joyless life. You don't. No, you don't want it. But I think a lot of this is we have to acknowledge that. Like, and and I think quite a few people I know in my previous work as a counselor, quite a few people fall into the camp of I identify with the younger son. I identify with the idea that I have messed up. I am not willing to come to the party. Like, hmm. and that's a that's a huge part. That's a huge problem for Christians, honestly. Hmm. Like is the ability to say, no, God does know who you are. He does know what a screw up you are. And he puts a ring on your finger. He puts a robe on your back. He brings you to a party and says like, it's all done. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus did it all. You could like, you could be messed up and be at this party. Isn't that amazing? Which is why I think Jesus was such good news to the marginalized Mm -hmm. and to the sinners because they could take it. They were like, you're right. I am a screw up. This is awesome. I am a train wreck. Let's do something else. Let's do it. I can't (laughs) wait to come to this party. But the Pharisees were like, no, I want to define what good is. And I want to define what it looks like to be good. And that is like that sort of older son mentality. And that's the one who we don't know if he'll end up coming to the party or not. Just shocking, right? Yeah, we're, we're given that. Shocking, so, except that I am him. I am yeah. I am the oldest, okay. literally and spiritually. And I just want my dang goat. And yeah. <laughs> I don't even want a fat gap. I just want my dang goat. And I, and I do, I think I do fight that temptation to see God as stingy. As, yeah. as holding out on me. I think that's yeah. kind of my spiritual kryptonite. Mm, I love just thanks for sharing that honesty. And I think I think one of the ways we break into that abundance, and I've been like practicing this with a spiritual director for a while. You know, every time we meet, she shows up and she has this like face of expectation, which is I can't wait to see what good gifts God has for you today. This is literally how she starts every session. I would probably roll my eyes. I'm not going to lie. I know. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, no. You're here to fix me, right? You know, that, that's it. And and I just, wow, it has been transforming. It has mm. truly been transforming mm. to see God as a God who in this 15 minutes we're spending together in today, in tomorrow, you could wake up and say, I can't wait to see what good gifts God has for me today. Like mm. what a change of perspective. Like that to me is what celebrating has looked like. That's what I was referring to earlier. Is that part of it? But also as a practice, right? Because we're going to kind of invite you guys this week to think about what celebrating looks like in your life. So as a practice, Rachel, what has that looked like for you? If we think about that as we're kind of wrapping up. I think there are two dimensions to it for me. And one one is, there are, we do have a tendency sometimes to quote unquote over-spiritualize something. And I mm-hmm. think part of celebrating is actually celebrating, throwing a party. <laughs> just I do mean, it. Have people over, just do the thing, you know? And and I, I love a good party. I'm a bartender by trade, as you know, Nicole. So I can make a mean margarita, like any excuse to make a margarita. You're a bar- I'm down. Excuse me. You're a bartender by side hustle. By Not side by hustle. trade. Okay. Trade trade is by, by, okay. <laughs> by side hustle. But yeah, I agree. No. Currently otherwise employed. You, you can make a uh, great cocktail. It's true. And you love to, yes, you love to celebrate and, and make people happy for sure. But but I think a deeply biblical principle is A, throwing good parties and B, in inviting the people you wouldn't normally invite. Yeah. And so that could be a discipline for us to think about is who would not be on the invite list, uh, who I could invite into the hospitality of God. That's mm-hmm. it. That's something that I really try to wrestle with because that is not my natural tendency to do that. Yeah. yeah. So I think one, actually throwing a party, but two, that actually I was very convicted by what you just said of the, what are, I'm ready to see what good gifts God has for me today. I think yeah. greeting the day with that kind of a posture and expectation of celebration is very different from my gloomy millennial self. Yeah. And it, it breaks that scarcity. Like it breaks that concept of God being stingy, yeah. which is like super important to break out of and maybe 
a part of all of our growth, like as believers, is to actually believe in a good and loving God, like Mm -hmm. big time, right? You know? Um, Well, good, good. I love that. Okay, so we're talking about celebrating as a mindset, but guys, don't over-spiritualize it. We're talking about celebrating as a party. Not a party where you're going to like try to bring someone to the Lord. It's just a party. Or have anybody standing at our head, like like moderation, right? (laughs) (laughs) Spoken like a real college dean. Yes, guys, we're talking about guardrails. What was that Chesterton quote? Like, God puts rule and order in place so that that good things can run wild. We're not just running wild. That's not what celebration is. I actually, actually for, for my students, when we practice this, when we practice celebration, I actually gave each small group 200 bucks and I said, spend okay. it however you want, assuming there are no crimes committed, <laughs> no one's standing on their head, no tequila. Like, there, you know, there were some parameters, but it was cool how they spent the money. Jelly ball was, was a common one. But, but anyway, to your point, yeah, it's kind what's of like it, paintball. It's like paintball, but less painful. That's oh. awesome. Yeah, like with those we needed that. Yeah, we really we did. needed that in life because mm-hmm. like paintball is yes. very painful. I'm like, why does anyone do this? Okay, yeah. jelly ball. I love it. Yeah, you yeah. know what I would do? Like, you know the party that I want to throw? I do want to rent out a roller rink. That yes. would be my ideal situation. Like <laughs> when I picture roll. the prodigal son story, the father it's in a roller rink. Roller rink. It's in a roller <laughs> rink, and it's like you get to come in, and that is that is it. And there's like amazing with the disco amazing ball, like, yep. disco ball, like the whole jam, except it's really good food. So it's right. It's a roller rink plus like Michelin star food. That's yes. in my party. So anyone who wants to come to my eternal party, that's on my block. That's what's going to be happening. So right, sign me up. I'm in. About that. Everyone's going to be an amazing roller skater as well. <laughs> All right, you guys, it's been so fun this summer being in this series with you. Please send it to your friends if it's been helpful. Rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And we are going to be taking a little break, doing some of our favorite best kind of hits over the last few years for a few weeks. And then we'll be back in the fall. See you guys then. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.